enemies. Mm. I can introduce you to a few today. Oh, you already have some? Maybe I don't need to. Yes, I did. There are a lot of different opinions about enemies and what you do with them. A lot. If you want different opinions, you can ask different people. But if you want a consistent opinion, you can consult the words written in red. Jesus says a lot about them. A lot. And a lot of it makes us uncomfortable. One of the things He says in Luke 19, He's talking about those who do not love the Father. He says, and He's talking about the ones who did not um, serve God and were unwilling to follow His Son. He said, bring those enemies here of mine. He's calling God's who won't serve Him or receive His Son as enemies. And He says, those who did not want Me to reign over them and slay them before Me. That doesn't sound like a God of love, does it? But God is a God of justice also. And if we receive His Son, we receive Him. If we don't receive His Son, we reject Him. It's very simple. That's said over and over in Scripture. And if we do not receive His Son, we set ourselves up as an enemy of God. As a matter of fact, in Colossians it talks about that and how we set ourselves up. And it's not a pretty picture, but it's still the truth where it says this, You who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, He is now reconciled. We did not know God. We were enemies in our minds. We even thought contrary to God's work. But here's the simple thing. If you do not want God's rule and authority over your life, you're setting yourself up in direct opposition to God and His work. He's not set you as an enemy at all. But wait a minute, Pastor. I thought you were going to talk about our enemies. So I am. And you're going to learn a few. And you're going to recognize a few. As a matter of fact, I came up with this theory that there's one person in everybody's life that is a thorn in the flesh. And maybe there's more than one, but there's certainly, if you think, who, who is it that gives you the most problems? There's that name or that person flashes in your brain. And you go, that one. And it may taint every other relationship because of that relationship. That person, we would say, is an enemy. Definitely not for us, so against us. But what is an enemy? Isn't an enemy someone who inflicts pain or hurts you? Or isn't trying to help you? Or is trying to destroy you? Or demean you? Or, what's the word? Defame your character? Someone who is committing slander? Wouldn't that be someone who's setting themselves up as your enemy? It would be, wouldn't it? That doesn't sound like a good friend. Not at all. And you can think of people who have done that. In your life, in the world, to others, to your friends, to your family. And those folks have been set up as enemies. And why are they an enemy? Because there's something in conflict in the relationship. 
or a misunderstanding or some grievance that they have, and maybe you as well have a part in that, that remains. Did you know that if you're not an enemy of somebody, it's really hard for them to get you to act like an enemy? If you love somebody, you're not going to act like an enemy, are you? You're going to love them. That's what you do. I'll give you a simple statement. Jesus Christ loved completely. There were people who set Jesus up as their enemy. They tried to kill Him several, several times and they finally succeeded. They saw Him as the enemy. He saw them as lost sheep that He loved and wanted to bring back into the fold for God. He did not see them as enemies. Even Judas, He loved even when He betrayed Him. Yet, all these folks trying to take Jesus' life saw Jesus as an enemy even when He spoke them the truth. Why? Because they lived a life that was not consistent with the principles and sovereignty of God. That's what set them up as an enemy for Jesus. And Jesus didn't see them as an enemy. He's just trying to get them to change their perception and perspective of God. So when we look at the different perspectives on enemies, I have a few for you. I'm not asking you to uh, take these on as your own, but if any of these are yours, recognize them today. Just recognize it. The first one is, is an enemy is someone you need to destroy. That's what you do with an enemy. They see them as someone trying to destroy them, so they're going to destroy them first. You see it in the Middle East. You see it in uh, the genocide. You see it in all sorts of things. A lot of people think about their enemies that they're nothing but a scourge. They see them as an object rather than a person. I promise you there is no love between them. And most of the time, it's by someone who's in power over someone who's not. Not always. But there are people trying to destroy others. And they see that as a reason because they don't like them, they want something they have, or they believe that their stuff is threatened by them, or their beliefs are contrary, so they need to annihilate them. And they see them as enemies. And plain blank, saying it simple, they're in the way of getting what they want. Or what they believe they should have. So people get in the way of certain people and they become enemies. And other people think about enemies like this. Well, they're just people I need to avoid. They're enemies and I'm going to avoid them. And if they stay over there and I stay over here, we'll draw a line. We'll call it the Mason-Dixon. You don't cross. We don't cross. We'll all be at peace. You think that's a new thing. It's not. Jacob and Laban set a line where they would neither one cross. Jacob being Esau's brother, Isaac's son, who worked for Uncle Laban, got his two daughters and most of his livestock, and Laban said, I'll stay on this side of the line, you stay on that side, we'll have peace. But truly, Laban set himself up as not a friend to Jacob. And it was his uncle. Jacob was his nephew. Family. So you understand, this doesn't just go between people who don't know each other. 
or are not related. But families can be pretty bad too, you know? Real bad. So some people, they get a little different. They come to church, they believe in Jesus or say they do, and when it when Jesus says, um, you know, you need to love your enemies and pray for them that persecute you, they go, I pray for them. I love them. But they better stay over there. And they better not mess with my family. And they better stop messing with me. And if they say one more thing on social media, I'm just going to blast them. Take them to court. Whatever I need to do. But I love them in the name of Jesus as long as they stay away. They are my enemy, but not really. So what we try to do to get around that, you ever seen people do the loophole thing with the enemies? They're not my enemies. They're just not my friends. And I'm going to avoid them. I got this loophole, so now I don't have to pray for them because they're not my enemies. I don't have to bless them. (laughs) Oh, goodness, why do believers do that? The part of loving everybody, Jesus meant that. Even those folks are trying to find loopholes around so we don't have to pray for them. But we do that sometimes. And we avoid people who hurt us rather than trying to reconcile because we think they're going to hurt us again. Which is why... In Scripture it says if you have ought against somebody, is you go privately. And if that doesn't work, take someone with you for protection most likely, but for a witness. And if that doesn't work, you bring a matter before the church and then it's resolved. One way or another. We don't do that. Why? Because we've not given church or other individuals authority in our life to support and encourage us to do what God wants us and asks us to do in the Scripture. We think that's, you know, that's, that's the Bible. But, but I believe Jesus meant what He said. Oh, He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? That could be one of those things He's referring to. Amen. Now what's interesting is what Jesus says about your enemy. He doesn't say His enemy. He says about yours. Because your enemy isn't necessarily His enemy. But God's enemy should be your enemy's. We get that one backward too. And so what does Jesus say? Well, in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, He gives us a real good suggestion. No, it's not a suggestion. It's the way to live. He says this, You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Let me tell you where that came from. Love your neighbor comes from Deuteronomy. Hating your enemy comes from a tradition based on the relationship that the Israelites had with the nation where God said never give them favor or prestige or anything forever. And they said, from that they said you have to hate your enemy. Not bless them, not care for them. And so they made this a law unwritten for all the society in the Jewish community that you would hate your enemy. They didn't just take, oh, it's just this one sect of people. It was anybody who set themselves up as your enemy now. The oral tradition said you hate them. And, and hate in that situation doesn't mean to love them less. It means to actually provide instances of hate. And so, he, But he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you 
And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Um, I get some of this, you know, I can maybe bless them, Lord bless them, you know, I bless them and say that stuff. But it says to do good to those that hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you. This is intentional damage to you. To pray for them. Well, obviously, if they're intentionally trying to provide hate in your life, they need God. Amen. Most of the time, we try to pray like David. God, this person is just not very nice to me. Sick them. <laughs> Pay them back. Amen. Wipe them out. That's what David said. Wipe out my enemies from your face. My enemies, not your enemies. Mine, God. I don't care about your enemies. I care about mine. That's what we try to do. But here he's saying, pray for them who spitefully use you and spitefully persecute you. Now, I don't know about you, but is, is there really anybody who would do that? I mean, come on. Has anybody got some good and then they really wouldn't spitefully, intentionally hurt somebody else? Yes, they would. Most definitely they would and they do and they will and they'll continue. Do not think that people should act differently than they do when they act the way they do. They act according, as a couple of verses before the one on the screen, according to the root. Evil brings evil. Good brings good. Amen? Amen. It's true, right? So, that's what Jesus says to do that. And that's what He says about your enemy. Now He's meddling. I don't want him to meddle with your enemies. I want you to just keep your enemies so you can be miserable and not act like children of God and you can make sure that this community doesn't transform because there's probably some people in this community you don't like and they probably don't like you. Let me tell you something. There are people who think this church is their enemy and God is their enemy because of what somebody has done to them. Let me hear let me hear how many folks have ever heard this story. Something similar. That person at that church heard me. I'm never going back and I'm never believing God again. You ever heard that? It's true. It's happened a lot. They blame God for what a person has done, or they blame the entire body of believers in that church for the way a couple people might have treated them. And they say, I'm never going to any church and never believing in that God again because he doesn't love me. That's what they say. And they justify being just as spiteful as the people who treated them that way. And angry and bitter and unforgiving. And they're not going to learn how to forgive because they're not amongst a group of people who show them how. And that's what happens. Goodness, I don't know about you, but Pastor... This is what I hear you say. Pastor, that's enough. Let's pray and have communion and we'll go forget about this. But we haven't got to the twist yet. Unfortunately. Let me ask you a question. Has, do you know anybody who's upset with you? Do you know anybody who has odds against you right now? Or with anything you might have done or said or shared or spoken against them to someone else? Do you know anybody... That that 
might have occurred. That you did that. And they're upset with you about that. I'm not asking you to get up here and confess. Save that for the revival, right? Or start the revival by confessing in your life, in you. But I want to share, if someone is upset with you, the Scripture says it's on you to go to them. Very clearly, Jesus says, if someone has something against you and you know it, go reconcile. Because your offering before God is not going to be worth much. Go reconcile, make it right, make peace, and then come and offer your blessing to God so He can bless you. Because if you know somebody who is feeling, um, what's the nice way to say this, upset or hurt because of you, go to them. I didn't say, and Jesus never said this was easy. He said, it's the way, He said, to do it. It doesn't say if you have something wrong with somebody, you need to go to them, that you're mad at them, but if they have something wrong with you. Why? Because you're responsible for what you do before God. And that's why He says to do that. Uh, the usual enemy types. <laughs> i got to tell you, there isn't a usual enemy type. They all can look different. There is no usual enemy type. There's just anybody can... I'll tell you what. It was the guy in the white car this week. And the, and the day before that, it was the guy in the red Camaro that passed me on a double yellow line going 70 miles an hour in a 35. That guy was all of a sudden my enemy. You should have seen me flashing the brights, laying on the horn, showing him how much I love Jesus. I set myself up as a reconciler, didn't I? If he had stopped and pulled over, and I had stopped and pulled over, and I said, hey, I just wanted to let you know you're going a little too fast, and I love you in the name of Jesus. You think that's what would have happened? You got in that car, what are you doing going so slow in this? You're in my way. I was his enemy first and then I made him mine second. Does that make it right? No. But I promise you, those are enemy types. They can be quick. Don't even know them. I have no idea. But I got the license plate and I called it in. Felt justified. Yes, now I'm holier than him because I acted in, in stupidity and then blamed him for it. Yep. Yep, he's responsible for my anger. No, he's not. No enemy of yours is responsible for your behavior. I'm going to give you an example of this, and I, and I hate to use this, but I'm using it. And I'll tell you why I hate to use it. It's because it's about kids on my bus. One kid said to me, can I sit in a different seat? These kids caused me to get in trouble. You know what I said to him? I said, I promise you that what you say and what you do will get you in trouble, not what they say and what they do. You will never be in trouble for what they do. So if you can be you and not fall into their games and be in control of your own life and mind and your own mouth and your own actions, it won't affect you. And he said, but that's so hard. And I said, then quit listening to the voices that aren't true. He's in seventh grade. How many adults need to hear the same? 
Nobody can make you do anything without your consent. You can agree to it, but they can't pull your mouth open and force words out. He's getting off the bus and I said, I'm watching you because your mouth is what's getting you in trouble today. And if you don't stop, I'm going to have to pull the tape and bring some consequences on you because you're the one making you say those words, not them. And he looked at me and you know what he said? Yes, sir. Put his head down in shame. Yes, sir. Jesus isn't saying this to shame you. He's giving you a heart check where parts of you aren't in subjection to God, where you tell God what you can and cannot do, what you will and will not do, what under what sovereignty of God you're willing to be under, what part of it you're not. God, I'll do this, but not that. Hmm. The biggest enemy you will face are the ones you face every day. Some of its memories. But there's someone else. And I need to tell you, you don't know it very often. But an enemy is someone that you need to forgive for hurting you. But that person is a person in the mirror. The person in the mirror has hurt you more than anybody else. More than anybody else in this world, the person in the mirror has hurt you. And you say, oh no, I've never hurt myself. Then why do you not live in forgiveness? Why do you not walk faithfully with Jesus? And why are you not on fire for Him? It's because the person in the mirror says it's not safe. Why are you not in accountability with people to keep you walking the right direction and on on the path of reading the Word and staying connected because the person in the mirror doesn't think it's important enough. The person that's your biggest enemy ends up being yourself because you believe the lie that everybody else or everything else is the enemy and not you. Uh You're the only one that can do what you can do. God's asked you to do something for the kingdom. Anything for the kingdom that you're willing, but He's given you gifts to do that. To build His kingdom and to grow His church. He's given you that. And the person in the mirror is the one who says yes or no. You are a very talented group of people here. More than enough here to transform a community and a region. More than enough. We are more than enough to do that. But we look in the mirror and say, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't do it. I don't trust enough. I don't have enough faith. It's not about you. It's about your relationship with Jesus Christ, Him in you, the hope of glory, who empowers you by the Holy Spirit to live out the Gospel which is impossible to live without Him. You can't come under the sovereignty of God unless God is with you doing the work. And if you leave God on the fringes of your life, He's not on the inside guiding you through life. Oh my goodness, how tough that is. I had a conversation this week with somebody. And, and it was just heart-wrenching. Life falling apart. Ready to just give up hope. Probably hopeless. And I said, who are you mad at? And he listed the people. And I said, I don't believe you. 
They looked at me like kind of shocked. And I said, what about the person in the mirror? And he said, I hate him. Can't stand him. I said, why don't you start there? How can you love an enemy if you don't love yourself? How can you love your enemy if you don't forgive yourself? How can you ever get anybody else off the hook if you won't let you off the hook? You're only going to treat people and let people treat you the same way you perceive and treat yourself. Jesus asks us to love our enemies. People who think they're our enemies, that we haven't said they are, but they believe we are theirs. Let me ask you a simple question, and I'm going to read the verses before the ones for this morning first. He says in Luke 6, 27, I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Sounds a lot like Matthew so far. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak or your jacket, do not withhold your tunic or your shirt either. Give to everybody who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. No, no police reports what he's saying. Do not ask for them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back and probably with interest. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High, for He's kind, the unthankful, and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. This is Jesus. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. This is right before he says, Why do you call me Lord and don't do the things which I say? Amen. Now here's the question I have for you. Who does Jesus love? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the story of the rich young ruler? Wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, Sell all you got, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the rich young ruler walked away sad because he had a lot. But the scripture says this as he walked away, Jesus loved him. Amen. The one who rejected him, who rejected a full invitation to go with him everywhere. He rejected Jesus outright, and Jesus loved him. You ever been rejected? Hurts. Especially when you know it's someone rejecting you and it's against their better good. Jesus loved that person. What about hanging on the cross? They spat in his face. 
I don't know about you, but I've had my face spat in before. I don't like the memory of it. I can't stand the memory of it. But Jesus loved the one who spat in His face. It's hard for me to understand that kind of love. You understand, this is stuff I can't do without Him. He can do it. I can't. i got to have Him in me to do it. Who else? The church temple leaders and priests who challenged Him on everything about God because they didn't want to change and be humble and love God first. And He loved them. And He kept trying to get them to follow God and give them the truth of the Word rather than their oral tradition. It's okay to hate your enemy because the priest said so. Father never said that. He loved the Roman soldier nailing the spikes into him. It's kind of hard to fathom. He loved the one causing him the tremendous pain. The ones who whipped him. He loved Simon the Cyrene who forced to carry his cross. He loved Judas who betrayed him. He loved the mockers who passed by. So you're the Son of God, pull yourself off the cross. He loved them. He loved them. Do you understand? He's not asking you to do something He couldn't do. But He knows you can't do it without Him in you. He knows this. And you know who else Jesus loves? is you. And Scripture says you're an enemy of God until you come under His authority. But He's still loving you even though you're an enemy. Because He wants you to become His friends. And when you become His friend, you'll be about the business of the kingdom. As 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, making other people friends too. I can't even control my temper on a road. If I was in prayer for the guy, I said, God bless him, keep him safe, instead of, God, help me catch up to him so I can run him off the road. <laughs> that was not a Jesus moment for me, but it was a teaching moment God gave me to give to you. Now, I promise you, there's other people in this room who don't like bad drivers. Mm-hmm. If you don't like bad drivers, don't ever want to see one, you're going to have to close your eyes when you drive. <laughs> and of course, you will be the bad driver then. So please, please understand that while you drive, you need to be praying for those around you. Not cursing. Blessing. That's simple. No, that's a simple change. It's not easy, but it means you have to begin to think about your life and others in relationship to your relationship with God. Oh, I don't like that. I didn't say you liked it. <laughs> Romans 12, 20. This is good news for you and your enemies. This is really good. You're going to love this. Here's how you get revenge. It's great. It says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. And so doing, you're going to put coals of fire on his head. So if you love him, you're going to put coals of fire on his head. If you forgive him, you're going to put coals of fire on his head. Ah, wait a minute. That seems like I'm blessing them, helping them, not putting coals of fire on their head. Let me tell you what coals of fire are, in case you don't know. Coals of fire are the mercy and grace of the Holy Spirit. Fire. 
It's you're playing the Holy Spirit on them by doing good. You're bringing God's authority into their life and they're going to have to deal with God, not you. I'd rather deal with God than me. I'm horrible at it. So I'd rather leave them in God's hands and pray for them. Okay. Here's where it gets ugly. Already it's gotten tough, but now it's going to get ugly. We're about to have communion. And if you've thought of anybody that you have odds with, Scripture says you need to make things right. And so when you commune, you're going to say, God, next time I commune, I don't want anything in that relationship but love. I want you to work that through me. And when you have communion this morning, I'm going to ask you to take the bread and, and the grape juice together and say, God, it's your way for me, not mine. That's the only way I'm going to do this. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus Christ's body was broken by people who hated Him. He was broken. We don't need more broken lives in this world. We see it every day on the news. We don't need it anymore. And where's it going to start but to transform where we are, and that's looking in the mirror and saying, I'm not going to be part of the problem. I'm going to love people where they are. Amen. So I'm going to commune, and if there's anybody that comes to mind as I do so, Lord, I'm going to bring them and put them on the cross for healing, and I'm going to commune with my enemy. But here's this tough thing. You need to forgive yourself too. God has already. But you need to let yourself off the hook so you can walk away free without strings saying you can't do this. It's not very easy to own up to. But I'm not asking you to tell everybody. I'm asking you to tell God. we got a lot of work to do as a church. We need to get out of the way. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, it's a, it's a tough word you have for us about enemies and ourself being the big one. But Heavenly Father, what a joy it would be to look in the mirror and say, you're my friend. I no longer have to think that you're fighting against God. But I'm on the page with Jesus Christ and He's on the page with me and we're all going the same direction. <coughs> Heavenly Father, let us not have another person in our life or institution or business or anything like that that would keep us from being your people by being unforgiving and walking in bitterness. God, help us to do as you ask. And we'll call you Lord, Lord, and do what you say. Amen.